0: I was trying to remember with, uh, with Russell this morning how long ago it had been. I was uh, a new pastor in Redding, and uh, Russell sought me out. And he was uh, going back and forth to Shasta Bible College so and doing some work there. And we started eating lunch, and we found out that we had great theological things in common. Actually, we both loved Mexican food. That's what it was. And we would meet for lunch, and we would talk about things. And one day he said to me, the Lord has called me and, and the family to, to go with Pioneers, and, and I believe he's called me to Malaysia. And I have to be honest, I had to go back and look at a map because I didn't know where it was. Along the, the road, uh, one of the lunches that we had, uh, Richard Harris joined us for lunch, and we made a great friendship that's lasted now for eight, nine years. And God has taken the family there and, and has done over the last six years something amazing, an international school that's been begun because God placed a vision in Russell and Sharla and he has brought that vision to fruition and it's, it's up and running and it's exciting. And I just, I'm so pleased and so thrilled. Every, every Sunday when you give an offering, just a portion of that goes to the missions, uh, uh, right at 10%, actually, if you consider some other things, probably 12 or 13%. And that money goes to missions to see what God is doing around the world. And you're going to get to a, a rare treat. You're going to get to see firsthand what the Lord has laid on Russell's heart as he's coming this morning to present what God is doing in him and through him in, in the work of, of Malaysia. But even more than that, he's just going to open his heart in and and God's word and give us what the Lord has laid on his heart for this morning. The Lord bless you, Russell. We're so excited to have you. Come on, my brother.
1: Oh, Fantastic to be here. This is our first Sunday after getting off the plane from Malaysia, which was a 24-hour trip, really in transit, when you count the uh, over, or over, stay over in um, Shanghai. I'm still a little bit jet-lagged. Um, my clock is not working so good, sleeping-wise, but it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. And before we get started, I, I we've been out of the country for six years now, and a lot of the emails that I've had are no longer good, so I'm going to send around an email sign-up sheet, and if you don't get our newsletter, we just send it out once a month, please sign up, and if you used to get it, but now you've changed your email, uh, please go ahead and sign up, and we'd love to send you our newsletter. Another is you you probably saw the display as you came in, please take one of these pamphlets, and it actually tells a little bit about Charla and, and myself and our ministry, and then it has our email and contact there, so uh, we'd like to share that with you. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is Unto the Least of These, and it comes from Matthew 25, and I have to confess, when I was trying to decide what to, to preach on, I asked Charla, what do you think, what should I preach on? And she just, without missing a beat, she said, unto the least of these, why don't you preach on that? And so I've really enjoyed getting into this passage, and this morning I, I really feel called and feel the need to, to preach. So that's what I'm going to do And it's so great to preach in Northern California. And, you know, we're in full-time overseas ministry, so whenever I preach, I use a lot of pictures. So I feel bad for those of you on the radio, because you don't get to see these pictures that go along with the sermon that make it a lot more interesting, I think. There's a song by Bob Bennett that's called Unto the Least of These. And the song talks about helping the poor and the homeless and the needy and it's a great song if if you ever want to look it up go on youtube and the bible clearly teaches that we should help those in need we should help the poor the widows we should help orphans and so on but as i studied this passage i found out that jesus meant something a little little different when he said unto the least of these and so we're going to answer that question uh, Today, we'll answer the question, who are the least of these? And what happens to those who treat them well and those who do not treat them well? So we're going to look at that this morning. But at the end of my message, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. We're We're going to pass the mic around. And I would like you to either share something about what this message has meant to you, or, even better yet, has somebody shown the love of God to you? Has God loved you through another person? And if that's happened, I'd like you just to really short, uh, tell tell your quick story about how God has blessed you or loved you through the actions of another person. So first of all, let's look at the context of Matthew 25. Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven and his return as the king he talks about his interaction with and judgment of his faithful followers and then also the idle unbelievers those who do not follow him and jesus is with his disciples they're on the mount of olives and in matthew 24 we find that the disciples are excited about the temple and they enthusiastically show Jesus all the buildings of the temple, and Jesus sort of throws a wet blanket on that, on their excitement, and he says, you know, this temple will be destroyed, and not one stone will be left upon another. And the disciples ask, well, tell us, when will this be, and when will, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus says in Matthew 24, 9 through 14, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus says, you will be hated by all nations. But then he also says, I'm going to send you to all nations. Wow. Uh, Jesus sends his followers to reach out to these people groups and some of those and those people groups are actually going to hate and persecute and betray and even kill the disciples or or the sent ones or the christian who's taking the gospel as a follower of jesus you and i if we serve him faithfully we will suffer for his name's sake the bible tells us that The Christian life has many great promises and this is one of them that we have the honor to suffer like our Lord suffered. On the earth you will be considered the problem to humanity. Many do not see Christians or Christianity as the answer but actually the problem. You'll be an object of scorn and hatred as you take the gospel to others. Unbelievers will not love you. They will not appreciate you. And they will treat you with coldness and contempt and even worse. Now, Jesus' first advent, the first time he came in human form, was in a a kind of a rare form of humility. If you think about that time in Bethlehem, he was born in a stable meant for farm animals. He lived with a working-class family, he was a, a carpenter, or his father-in-law was a carpenter, and his, his mother, uh, Mary, were, they were just blue-collar uh, people. Uh, when he left home, he had no place to lay his head during his ministry. He was homeless, if you think about it. But Jesus' second coming will not be like his first coming. Uh, Jesus' second coming... Will be very different he will come as a king in great power and exercise authority in matthew 25 jesus launches into some parables to describe the coming of his kingdom and the readiness of people to receive him and i'm just going to briefly touch on some of these Uh, first of all the the parable of the ten virgins and the arrival of the bridegroom Some were ready for the the bridegroom's return, others were not, and they were left outside of the event. And then he tells another parable about a master who leaves, and when he does, he, he leaves talents with three servants, and he goes on a journey, but when he returns, two servants have made good use of the talents and increased them, and one of the servants buried his talent in the ground which displeased his master and his and so his talent was taken away from him and given to a more faithful and productive servant and now this brings us to our text today jesus talks about his glorious second coming it will not be like the first with all the angels he establishes his kingdom and takes his seat on his magnificent throne Turn with me to to Matthew 25, and we'll pick it up in verse 31. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left so there are two types of people in this narrative according to jesus those who belong to his kingdom and they're the sheep and then those who do not belong which he calls the goats and jesus will separate those two groups for eternity this picture of the shepherd separating the sheep and the goats would be really common in Palestine at this time when he's, when he's teaching. Sheep and goats can graze together out in the, in the pasture. That's not a, in the pasture, I should say. Not a problem. But when the shepherd would lead them back, you don't put them in the same pen. So they'd separate them and they would spend the night in separate pens. So Jesus separates these two groups those who belong to him and those who do not and when jesus spoke these words to his disciples they were on the mount of olives and the plans for his arrest and execution were already in motion many people that were welcoming him and and crying out hosanna will change their allegiance and side with the pharisees and those same people will call for his crucifixion and yell crucify crucify him but there is hope in jesus's words that he's telling them right now he says when the son of man comes in his glory he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations the nations meaning the gentiles and all the people groups of the earth The disciples needed to hear this before his crucifixion. If you think about it, uh, as they're there together, some some very distressing events are about to take place. Their Lord is about to be crucified. So Jesus comforts them and prepares them uh, so they can, when it happens, uh, they will endure and they can remember what he said. His second coming will indeed be different than his first. Jesus is the hope of heaven. He's the one who set up, a, he'll set up a righteous kingdom where he will reign forever and we will enter a theocracy. Now, I don't want to get political, but I don't know how you are with uh, how governments act or, or what politicians do. Uh, I have my own frustrations on the other side of the pond in Malaysia. Uh, trying to start an international Christian school in a Muslim country is no easy job, I'll tell you. But don't we long for that day when Jesus will set up his kingdom and he will rule and reign in perfect righteousness. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Who are his loyal subjects? Those who that are rewarded by the king of kings. Who will they be? Matthew 25 uh, verse 34 says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick And you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? And when did did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. These, this group is welcome into heaven because of what they did to one of the least of these, Christ's brethren. The loyal subjects are those who treat the king the right way. They honor Christ on earth, and they are engaged in his kingdom work. They treat the king's servants Or the least of these, his brethren, with kindness, love, and good deeds. When the sheep walk with Jesus, they follow and serve him naturally. Notice that the sheep or the loyal servants do not even realize the good deeds that they have done. They ask Jesus, When did we do these things? Feed you, give you something to drink, see you in prison. We must be careful not to mistake this passage as a salvation by works passage. This is not what Jesus is talking about. Uh, His followers serve him because they belong to him. And they take on his character. They are filled with his Holy Spirit and they're producing good fruit. They're producing his fruit. And they're looking after the least of these and it comes naturally. They, they don't even realize what they're doing. The shock to me as I read this passage is that Jesus teaches plainly that the evidence of a genuine Christian is how that person treats the least of these his brethren or brothers and sisters. When somebody's hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison, whatever their need is, they take care of them the king does not ask about their doctrine he's not asking about their bible knowledge what religious affiliation they are what what denomination they go to Um, not that these things are not important but this is not what they're asked actually jesus doesn't ask a single question of these sheep he simply invites them in he says come you blessed of my father Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Jesus explains that when these people had an opportunity to help brothers or sisters, they did so without realizing it. They ministered to Jesus Christ himself. That's powerful. You think about that. There is no other requirement given for them to enter the kingdom. Jesus identifies himself with his bride, his church, the body of Christ. He identifies himself with the persecuted and those who help the persecuted. We who have trusted Christ as Savior are his hands and his feet on earth. You and I are the body of Christ. We serve on earth for his glory until Jesus returns. So a major point of this text is unmistakable. How people treat Christians is how they treat Jesus. You think of of the day, back uh, during this time, Jesus is saying these words. How did the Pharisees treat Jesus? They crucified him. The Pharisees treated Stephen in a similar way. They stoned him to death. Saul of Tarsus, who would later become the Apostle Paul, as we know, he was a zealous Pharisee. He watched the stoning of Stephen and held the garments of the stone throwers. Saul is a perfect example of of one who thought he was serving God. He thought he was a good sheep, but he was acting like a goat. And he didn't know what he was doing. And we know the story uh, as it's recorded in Acts 9-4 when Saul was blinded by the by the light, and it knocked him to the ground, and he heard Christ's voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus did not ask, Why are you persecuting my followers and my servants? He says, Why do you persecute me? When Saul persecuted Jesus, he had Christians arrested and imprisoned. When people mess with Christians, Jesus takes it personally. This should be a great comfort to us, actually. Uh, But on the flip side, the principle is still true. If you don't care about other Christians, if, if I don't care about other Christians, we are not caring for Jesus either. What stands out in our Lord's words is, that it's more of a sin of omission than one of commission. The error is about neglecting to do the right thing, to not help the least of these. Uh, We're going to read on, but I'm not going to focus so much on the goats today. But we recognize that they are disloyal subjects uh, who also displeased the king. And they received judgment for not loving and serving the king and, and for not loving, and caring for other believers. They lack the love for Christ, so they lack the love for his people and his church. The goats may live among the sheep, but they will not make it into the kingdom, like this one who's trying to get a piggyback ride here. They think that maybe by associating with the sheep, they're going to make it in, but they're not. They're going to be separated out. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, you are a sheep you are in his fold. As a a follower of Christ, uh, we take the gospel to the community, to lost people. And I I like what I heard George say, uh, across the street and around the world. And, And that's really what it's about, sharing the gospel and taking it across the street and around the world. People respond to us in one of two ways. They accept us in the message of salvation that we bring to them, or they reject us and the message. They're actually not rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus Christ himself. How people treat us, the least of these his brethren, is how they treat the king. Now, I'd like to just give an illustration of this. A man lived in the 1700s who knew this truth about the least of these. His name was Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Say that ten times real fast. And he cared for the least of these during his time. Count Zinzendorf was from a noble class family of Austria, and he was dissatisfied with the dryness of and the deadness of the church he attended. At the time, it was a Lutheran church. And he did not agree with the rationalism that was settling into the church. So Zinzendorf believed that Christians should return to the basics. And he was, they, they should study the scripture they should focus on the, the manner of life of the early church in the book of Acts, and they should adopt the practices of the early church forefathers in the book of Acts. And at the time, the Catholic church and even the Protestant churches alike, like the Lutherans, were not open to the free practice of Christianity outside of their denominations. So you you were either part of the Catholic church or one of the Protestant churches, or you were in sin. You Uh, But Zinzendorf believed, no, uh, Christians can practice individually and meet in homes, just like the early church. Those who dared to follow Christ apart from a denominational church at that time suffered persecution. Zinzendorf reached out to the persecuted Christians, and he gave them land on his estate to build a township and to practice their religion freely. So these believers built a village named Hernhut, and religious refugees came from the countryside to Hernhut to avoid persecution and to worship God in freedom. So Moravians, Bohemians, Czechoslovakians, and others came and, and they moved in and they worshiped together. Now, Hernhut did not become this utopian paradise where Christians dwelled together in perfect harmony hostilities and conflicts did arise uh, mainly because of their doctrinal differences and unbiblical beliefs and other just relational problems so Zinzendorf realized that there was trouble in the village so he took time off from his business concerns and he focused on serving the least of these his brethren at that time the Christian community was living on his property and he, he took time out of his schedule and he said, I'm going to serve this group and help them through these things. Restoring unity among a group that's in disharmony is a very hard-fought battle. If you've ever gone through it, you know what I mean. So Zinzendorf called for all the believers to study the Bible and to commit by living it Second, he went to individuals' homes and he prayed with each family. And then he called all people to love one another, love one another, in unity as the scripture commands. So Bible study, prayer, and the conviction that we are called to love one another help these believers in hernhood overcome conflict and become a strong Christian community. Hernhut became the headquarters of the Moravian Church. Uh, And I don't know if you've heard the story of the Moravian Church, but Moravian missionaries were sent to America to spread the gospel. And when they were on the boat, a fellow by the name of John Wesley happened to be on the same ship, and he met up with them. Wesley went over as a missionary as well, and then Wesley returned to England admitting that he was not very close to God and he struggled as, uh, as a missionary. But in 1738, John Wesley attended a Moravian meeting at Aldersgate Street in London. You see, these, these Moravians started sending missionaries to the Americas, to London, to different places. And they started house churches. And John Wesley found himself in one of these. And the Moravians made an impact on John Wesley and Charles Wesley as well. These events took place because one man, Count Zinzendorf, cared for the least of these Christ's brothers and sisters. How different history might have been if Zinzendorf had not bothered to help. How we treat Christ's servants is how we treat Jesus himself. At the time of Zinzendorf's death in 1760, the Moravian church had sent out 226 missionaries to 10 different countries in the world, and they were ministering to about 6,000 people, including people on North American soil, South America, the West Indians, uh, the West Indies, excuse me, uh, Greenland, Africa, Jamaica, and Antigua. Well, let's finish our reading of the text, uh, Matthew twenty-five, forty. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did to me. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison It did not help you? And he will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. God created you and me. You and I are meant to live for his purposes. He calls you today to be in his family, to be one of his sheep. He is the good shepherd who loves you and he gave his life for you. Today's message is not about doing good works to earn a place in heaven. It's about a relationship with Christ and how to treat the least of those in God's family. If you are not in God's family, I would ask you to receive him today. And I certainly would be glad to talk to you. I'm sure Pastor Knight or elders, other leaders here in the church would. Place your faith in Christ today. Become one of his children. It's about a relationship with the King of Kings and how we treat His servants. We don't earn our way into God's family. We come by believing, by trusting. We come in faith. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, He makes us righteous. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. As we trust Christ for salvation, He transforms us from the inside out, from unrighteous rebels to righteous followers. Both sheep and goats in this text are actually unconsciously doing what comes naturally. The sheep act like sheep because they're sheep. The goats act like goats because they're goats. But I invite you today to join his sheepfold. Become a follower of the great shepherd. Remember what the disciples asked. What will be the sign of your coming? and the end of the age. And Jesus said the gospel will go out to all nations. We are the ones carrying the gospel, that, that beautiful message, the words of life. You and I are the least of these, Christ's brethren. It's true, we will be hated, persecuted, we'll land in prison. Uh, some of us will become sick. The fellow Christians will naturally take care of his servants who suffer for the gospel. We will also receive the blessing of those who receive us, who respond to the message. Jesus said, those who serve the least of these, my brothers and sisters, serve me. And my challenge to you is serve Christ and love the least of these. Now, I told you that we would have an open mic session. We have time for that still. And I want you to think about a way that God has... You are the, if you are a Christian, you are the least of these. And somebody has blessed you and served you. Actually, God did it through somebody. And I'm going to share the first one. Before I even met Pastor Knight... I was heading from Orland, where we're, we, uh, pre- I preached a sermon, up to Crescent City. And I'm driving along Interstate 5. I don't know if it was in the summertime. And the van we were driving, because we had all six kids, so there were eight of us, overheated on I-5. And I thought, oh, now what do we do? I've got to get to Crescent City because I'm, I'm speaking. And so I called somebody here at the church. And uh, I said, could I borrow the church van? (laughs) Because I I think we broke down in Anderson or something. Or maybe we made it up to a... You remember? It it doesn't matter. But we didn't quite make it to Reading. And I had never met Pastor Knight. He he was new here. And then uh, somebody relayed the message to me that, uh, yeah, you can use the van. In fact, you can have the van. You can have it. He gave the church van to the missionary. And I can't tell you, that really impacted me. I thought, wow, this guy, I got to meet this guy. Maybe that's why the Mexican food tasted so good, that first lunch we had, because that is a testimony of God loving me and my family that was stuck in a, in a hot car that was broke down, and uh, we got to our next destination because somebody loved me me and treated the least of these christ's brethren well so if you have a story like that a short testimony please uh, just put your hand up
2: thank you as many of you know my husband has been through some serious surgeries and uh, it was a blessing to have all you people pray for me and pray for him god is good amen good morning My name is Mary, and I want to say that uh, I lost my husband earlier this year, and I want to say that God worked through Lynn, my good friend, to help me bring me out of my sorrow and bring me to this church. She said that this was a beautiful church, and the people were lovely, and I would enjoy it here, and I do.
3: I did it because I love her, and we've always loved each other, and God gave us. My my brother Ed passed away about Four years ago or so, and his whole life he was, or a lot he was in trouble. He, um, drugs and alcohol, homeless half his life. And then one day he moved back to Reading, and I didn't know it for like a year and a half. He lived here in the woods. You know, got his cans and bottles, just just enough to get his vodka and something to drink if he. I mean, something to eat if he had money left over, but. He started going to this the the Caldwell Park on Sundays. A church had a soup ministry, and he kind of hung in the background. And he would go, and and they would they would feed him soup. And one day he goes up to a girl serving, and he goes, "I want what you have." And she goes, oh, "Okay, here here's my soup." He goes, "No, no, I want what you have," and he got saved. Hmm. And the rest. And he turned his life around, went through the program at the mission, and the rest of his life, he, he would go in the woods and minister to his old buddies. Take him food, money, cribbage boards, take him to the doctor. And it's all because the, these people served him suit.
2: Hi, I just want to say I am the most blessed person in the world. Um, I grew up with four people who were Christian people, my mother's mother and father, and my mother and father. And I had one of those blessed childhoods with a whole community that supported us. And I
1: didn't know anything else. (laughs) I didn't know anything but
2: going to church, being with Christian people, um, knowing that the way you're supposed to live is what the Bible tells you. So I feel like I've been especially best in my life. Uh, my name is Maxine Kogel, and I lived in a small logging community, and I was in my 20s. And I, my younger sister, I saw there was just something different about this young high school girl. She wasn't running with the crowd, and she she was going to this little community, this little church. Well, these two young men had went to Bible school up in Oregon, and they, them and their families moved to Willow Creek to, to give the word, to spread the gospel. And through these young men within their families, uh, they, they brought salvation to my family, my sister, my mother, my other sister, and myself, just one at a time, through their witness and Jess Pascal was his name and he has he brought blessing to me and my family and I'm so thankful and through him I learned to walk with the Lord and and learn many things and I am so appreciative of him and his family
1: fantastic that's great well I've I'll have the last word. I want to commend this church for taking care of us, for, for looking after my family. And you've helped me raise my family. We've been in full time ministry, and Cross Point has been there all along the way. Uh, you, you've helped me raise my kids. You've stood with us when we were planting a church in Papua New Guinea. And when we went through the transition of We're stateside for a time, and we're representing pioneers and recruiting missionaries. You were with us. And then when I shared this crazy idea of going to Kuala Lumpur to start an international Christian school, you showed faith, and you continued to walk with us. You've supported us. You've supported our colleagues, other missionaries in other countries. And there are people that know Christ in in malaysia because of you there are children that are sitting under christian teachers at a christian school because of you and it's just it's amazing and all the glory goes to god because honestly when when i set out to do this thing i say okay god you i feel like you want me to do this i don't know (laughs) you're gonna have to help me and he did help me because you helped me and my family. And my wife, Charlotte, has had a ministry into ladies' lives that I could never do. And it's fantastic to see the hand of God. And all the, all the glory for that goes to him. And I pray that God would richly reward this church for the faithfulness and the commitment. Not only to, to my family, but to other servants that are serving in Russia and other places around the world. And are, am I ending or we do we have a song or something? Okay. So I'll end with a, a prayer and then a benediction. And, okay. Father, I thank you that you love us. And, and these testimonies are testimonies of your love for us and how you have blessed us, the least of these, through other people. And God, it is just an honor and a privilege to be used of you. It is not a burden. Uh, Your your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And we are so blessed when we yield ourselves to you and we allow you to work through us. Father, we pray that uh, if there is anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, that they would make that decision today. Father, I pray that uh, the untapped potential of this church would be released, and that people would just be conscious of opportunities to be a blessing in one another's lives, that they would love one another, even as we heard testimony today. Uh, Father, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be used of you, and may we reach out and love the least of these, your brethren, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: You know what Russell said is absolutely true. If, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can come and sit on any of the, the chairs on the front. One of the deacons, one of their wives will come and pray with you. Again, we're not asking you to join the church. We're asking you to go from being a goat to a lamb. We're, we're talking about changing a character, and only God can do that. We can't, but we'd love to pray with you and just share some more information. Uh, if you'll stand together, we're going to sing a closing song. You're welcome to come up at any point. If you have a spiritual need, just come. You can sit on one of those chairs, any spiritual need, and we'll pray with you.